the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic for sports fans. It's been a big sports weekend. There's no better place to start and finish your day than The Athletic. Start at theathletic.com slash spot track. Get 40% off that first year. Download the app, personalize it with the teams and leagues you care about the most. Get exclusive ad-free content at your fingertips. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Chinetti, working remotely today. Scott Allen is back in the chambers, doing the data work, doing the content work. We're going to bounce back and forth on some ideas here for a quick show and uh, try to keep afloat with what's going on. NBA season is finale. Baseball season has begun. Hockey is kind of dwindling down here over the next couple of weeks. So it's a it's an important time both for in-season and off-season discussions with a lot of these sports. Scott, you're kind of in dual mode now with the NBA. Welcome to the show. Where's your head right now with the NBA? Is it excite, excitement for the playoffs, or are you just too geeked out to get down to the off-season stuff at this point? Ready to get to the playoffs. I was hmm. ready a month ago or so. But now that things are locked in. Because you're and... dynasty Ben Simmons, right? <laughs> we'll right. <get> you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get this started. I'm ready to see how everything comes to fruition. You know, there's some really good matchups that are going to be happening here. The play-in is going to be interesting to see who comes out, you know, with the the Clippers, does Kawhi actually come back at all? And that could totally change how uh, that matchup ends up once we figure out who they may play that actually made the playoffs. Um, The whole situation with... Do you think the Clippers have calculated this a little bit? I wouldn't put it past that franchise. Ty Lue's been through this with LeBron, you know, the resting situation and all that. And, and Kawhi's his own animal. He's going to run his own kind of course here. Is it just that it worked out nicely that they ended up healing up at the, at the right time and Paul George got a bit of a three-week ramp up and now Kawhi's kind of going to hit the round running? Or is it just, hey, maybe this was baked into the cake before the season? There, there were rumblings that Kawhi was going to miss the whole season. You and I talked about that with Keith. It, it wasn't even an afterthought. I mean, it was just quite sitting, <laughs> quite well, sitting. He's not coming back early. He's not even going to try. And if, if this point got, to, you know, if they were able to make the play in, right, then it was a possibility. And it seems like that's going to be the case here. Yeah, possibly. But the ramp up, what, what does that look like? Because you're just going to throw him into a, a, what, 35, 36 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it might take. And is his body ready to really ramp up that fast? Paul George came back and played what 34 minutes in that for or 34 points in that first game or whatever it might be. And is Kawhi going to be at that point that he is ready to go at that high level? Uh, I I don't know because we, we have not heard much out of that camp at all, which has been, I think it's a positive though. I I think it's just sneaky. Let's just stay under the radar and, and kind of do our thing behind the scenes versus Zion, which we've talked about is, more, you know, a shady quiet. It's a shady well, quiet, you know? I, I, yes, and I agree with that, but it also could be a silver lining going into next offseason where a lot of these guys got playing time that they may not have necessarily been able to have if George and Paul, uh, George and uh, Kawhi were in the lineup for sure. the entire season. They took on some acquisitions with Powell, you know, so they may be actually in better shape if Kawhi is able to come back fully healthy going into next offseason, especially knowing, you know, the Lakers are in shambles. What is their situation going to be? 
you know, the, the Denver Nuggets, they played without two max players or almost max player with Porter. Um, you know what? Let's let's ramp, let's walk around this play in situation, because that's obviously the next iteration for the NBA. And, and the teams are fascinating. You were mentioning the Clippers here that the Spurs outkicked their coverage. I don't think any oh, of us thought absolutely. they were going to be here. They, they ruined some seats, some some seasons for a couple of these teams down the stretch. Um, the Lakers being one of them. We've talked New Orleans. They're still fascinating. And if they can get themselves into the actual playoffs and, and, and out of this play in round. That's going to go. That's going to that's going to do some things, not just for Zion, but maybe for some other players that are thinking about where to land next offseason. They're, they're a, an up and coming team that has a nice story behind them now. Brooklyn, you know, still the betting odds favorites and, and took for a lot of these sports books right now out of the East. But their offseason's weird. Kawhi's got a player option, right? You know, uh, excuse me, Kyrie's got a player option. And by the way, the, Ka- the Kawhi PG financials are running out in, in L.A. as well. So nothing's like long term anywhere you look right now. Certainly not the Lakers, you know, which I guess that's a that's a good on the spot question for you. What is the most long term franchise we have right now? Is Golden State still pretty locked in? I'd say Golden State, Milwaukee. Okay. Potentially Phoenix, depending on the situation with DeAndre Ayton, as you talked with Keith. Right, but there's at least that big question hanging there, you know? Right. So I'd have to say probably uh, Denver's probably in there too because they have Joker. They're probably going to do the max extension that they can do this offseason. They have Murray locked in. They have Porter locked in. So I think those those three are probably up there. And then, um, you know, like th- there are some fringe teams that could potentially have some long term ability. You know, mm-hmm. Boston could potentially have that long term with the with Brown and Tatum. You've got Memphis, who has been spot on with with jaw there. I mean, they yeah. played really well without him in the lineup, but they have a core there that seemed to be uh, working really well together. So I, I to answer the question, I'd probably say right now, Milwaukee, Golden State, and, and probably Denver once Denver, those yeah. guys come back. And then those fringe teams that potentially have long-term ability is Boston, Memphis, and then I'll throw in uh, a Chicago. Yeah, and Phoenix to some degree. And though. Phoenix too, Chris right. Paul's kind of on the way out, yeah. and Aiden may literally be on the way out. Um, yeah, the Memphis stuff is crazy. We're just not, I don't think we're ready for it as a fan base, but if Morant's there and he's healthy, they're, they're going to do something, right? Two, is it two rounds, you think? If oh, you had to I, put money on, is it two rounds? I, I think it could be two rounds. It really depends on who they're going to play. If they end up playing, uh, you know, the Clippers, that might change the outlook. Um, you know, New Orleans and San Antonio, they've, they've had a really good second half. Like you said, San Antonio, they've been up and coming. I yeah. think... Jaw is going to have to be there to be able to to go the distance with Memphis to get them deeper. Um, but I would say that they're probably going to get to the second round. Is it weird that we, we don't have like a high paid player to talk about right now? Yeah, it is. It is weird. It is in, different in this than sport, right? Had. I mean, that's usually what we're hammering this time of year is all, you know, the, the $40 million vets, it's time for them to show up. That's, I feel like that's not the conversation this year, Bandit. You know, no, Joker's paid. Embiid's paid. But they're not at the top of the chain yet. They'll get there once some things happen. But 
Yeah, let, let's transition to this conversation because I pulled in right. some cash first playoffs. So the top, I looked at the top three seeds of each uh, conference, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston. So their cash rankings was Miami 10, Milwaukee 5, Boston 12. Yeah. But then when you go to the West, very interesting. Phoenix 27th, Memphis 29th, Golden State 2nd. So you're right. We're, we're in a in a weird transition where uh, we might be starting to see more value money ball in the NBA than we have in the past. It's sort of like, I I almost want to call Memphis Phoenix right now, like a, like a Tampa Bay Rays where they Mm. have, they have some vets in there, but they have a lot of young kids and they just have to operate differently than the rest of the league. Now, obviously, Phoenix, they were atrocious a few years back, but they made that trade for for Chris Paul, and yeah. they made some other uh, veteran well. acquisitions, and they, they drafted well. well. They're, they're the Houston Astros, Scott. <laughs> yeah, that that is a that's a good <laughs> comp too. Mm-hmm. So I think we're we're starting to see um, that money ball effect where you know we talk about the James Harden and Keith brought this up again. You know, do they make that extension offer to him? The smart teams aren't going to do that. You know, they're they're realizing that the money is getting so high. Why why strap themselves? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if this is a trend or is this um, just an anomaly in this season. We haven't really seen either on a rookie level. We've talked about it with Zion, right, or on a superstar veteran level with the Harden situation, we haven't seen a team put their foot down and say no in a long time, Scott. Yeah. Right. Will this happen with James Harden? And the reason I'm bringing this up is we talk about how much they gave up to get him. And we talk Simmons and we talk Curry and we talk drum and we talk and picks, right? It's a lot, but was getting rid of Simmons a bigger deal than we think? Oh, I think it's going to be. You know what I mean deal. by that? Like yeah. the, the overall picture and story that's going, you know, and, the, and there's certainly some injury baggage, but maybe some other baggage too. You know, you, you, I know you, you want to talk about the grievance he filed to get some of that money back from Philly. That's part of this story, right? There's, they didn't even get rid of him yet, right? The court system still has to proceed for him. I, I just wondered if getting Harden was great, but not as big of a deal as we thought versus getting out of the Simmons situation. You know what I mean? And then will that make it easier to say no to this gigantic extension if the gameplay is just not there anymore, which it seems like it's trending in that direction? Yeah, I, I think when we look at this, we'll say two, two years from now, yeah. it, it's going to be, holy cow, I can't believe that happened. We're doing it with the Lakers right now. That's right. They made a trade for Russell Westbrook, and it just happens to be that LeBron and AD were injured so much this season. Now, that could have been the exact same situation in Philly if Embiid was injured for a majority of the season. He just happened to not be, and he was able to carry that team and could be MVP this season. So I think we're in a very similar situation where Philadelphia, they traded those pieces with Simmons to get Harden. Lakers brought Westbrook, but got rid of a lot of pieces. So I think in two years' time, 
once Simmons is healthy and he is actually playing with the Brooklyn Nets, and we can see what the situation in Philly is going to be if they actually give him the extension or not. Yeah, uh, it, it, it this could be a massive turning point in that Philly organization because they're going to have so much money on the books that we'll, we'll, right. and we'll see that Tobias Harris is there. Are they going to be able to move him in the offseason? So there's a lot of jockeying that's going to happen. But that, I think that is probably going to be a massive turning point when we look back. But just to, just to add one more piece to it. It wasn't just getting a disgruntled Ben Simmons off of your roster. It was a massive contract. This was a contract dump because he may become a good player. You know, I don't think great's ever the right word to use for his style of play. He's just not, a, he's, he doesn't have enough skills to be a great NBA player. He's a good NBA player for what he can do. But that contract was, was huge. It was a max. It was huge. And that's not something that many teams just want to take on and swallow, you know, and, and, and by the way, keep winning. Which is what Brooklyn is trying to but do. But I'll stop you with that. It, it is a massive contract. But if he does come back, even if it's 80% of what he was, his defense is not right. what Harden does. His defense is going to the Brooklyn Nets, who we've been saying for two years okay. that their defense has been horrible. So they put Scott, a hole. But Scott, Philly had that player already. Tybal is that player already. Don't you think? Yes. And indeed, obviously. Right. But. I think what the, I guess my point is this, though. let me finish this, get rid of that massive contract and all the other baggage we've talked about, bring in Harden who who's on a, on a big, small contract, right? A large high value, small contract. Why do they feel pressured to extend him? They shouldn't have to. Right. That, that should be a replaceable entity is my point. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. The, the, the a number one job of that trade was not to get James Harden is the better way to reference this topic. The A number one job of that trade was to get out of that Ben Simmons contract. They did it. Just so happens they got an old friend and good player and James Harden back for a couple of months. And, and, and can they convince him to opt in? I don't know. But I don't think it's the worst franchise move in history to make that trade and then not extend James Harden. You understand what I'm saying? Like they shouldn't feel forced into it just because... Right. 99.9% of the time, every other team does that. I, does I, that, right? I, keep, I keep that player that. because of the trade assets. Be the first. Say, no, no, no. James Harden is just a piece here. And Bede's the guy. Tybal is, is a role player in that regard. You know what I mean? Defensively. Let's just go get a shooter. There's shooters everywhere. We can overpay for a shooter every two years if we have to. Many, many teams have done that, right? If, if Harden's not the long-term answer, don't pay him. Don't, don't put yourself in a position where you have to do this trade again. Right. Because if you've got Harden on four years and you, you hate three of them. Now you got to make that Ben Simmons trade again. Now you got to get find a team to take a huge contract and probably add more draft picks in to get rid of them. Why set yourself up? Use those draft picks and go get a guy right now to replace James Harden. I, I think that's my answer for for one of the biggest storylines of the offseason, which is which is where we're headed here. Right. Yeah, it absolutely is. There, there's a lot of pieces. This could be a crazy offseason, depending on. How yeah. things flush out. All right. I want to switch gears to baseball real quick, if you don't mind. Because a really interesting situation came up. There was a, you know, there were honestly a couple of extension deadlines in Major League Baseball leading up to that April 7th opening day. But the biggest one was Aaron Judge. I was kind of doing my homework on it throughout the last couple of weeks. And, and I tweeted out some stats myself. And honestly, as long as I can remember having evaluated Judge's 
market value for us, Scott, it was 200 million. That's just the number he's always been sitting on, 200 million. So whether that was a six, seven, eight year contract, however the Yankees wanted to handle the AAV for tax purposes, to me, the $200 million mark was going to be the barometer. Not only did we not get an extension, but we got a GM, the, the, the Yankees GM, right? Maybe one of the most important GMs in all of sports got in front of a microphone and basically said, look, you guys are going to bug me for these numbers anyway, so I'm just going to literally give them to you. He got in front of the mic and he gave us a blow-by-blow breakdown of what the offer was to Aaron Judge, full transparency. Judge and his camp basically came back and said, yeah, you know, we never even asked for that ninth year. We, we just didn't get the money right. We, we wanted the, the same basic terms, but you know, we, I think they had much bigger numbers in their eyes, whether that was 300 or 250 or whatever it was. But it's basically 213 million new, about 233 million total over eight years. So I, I was hoping to have a platform here to crush the Yankees for not extending Aaron Judge. But when Cashman went up there and did that and said that and gave those numbers, he's basically right on with our valuation. So how can I complain, right? The Yankees basically did exactly what I was going to ask them to do from an outside third-party source. What are your thoughts on just that whole, that whole situation? The Aaron's judge not getting the extension, the Yankees being full transparent with, with their numbers. And, and maybe that's a step that other teams will start to take here, you know, because that, that to me, I tweeted it out kind of sarcastically, you know, sports money is now mainstream. Like that is, that's a guy not afraid to go out there and, and throw dollars out there because everybody's looking for him anyway, right? Yeah, I, I love the transparency. I love that he came out and, and gave all those details, puts the ball in judge's court now. He, yeah. he says, we did our due diligence. This is what we think you are worth. Take it or leave it. They left it, and now it's, it's left in their hands. So does this feel a little Bryce Harper to you? I know you went through that with him in his final year and they didn't even trade the guy. They got nothing for him. They let him walk. So I hope the Yankees don't go that route. If they're, you know, a middling AL East team come June 30th, but um, they're basically saying Aaron judge, we don't think you can get more than this on the open market. And Harper barely did. Harper had to go 13 years to get his money. Right. You're right. So I, I do think, and, and by the way, Washington replaced them and won the world series. So we, we know who won that battle short term. Um, but that's kind of the situation we're walking into here that we're there in judge, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I think we're going down that same similar path. And, you know, if, we, if, we've had this conversation. The don't win the World Series, Scott. Are, is local radio are, are, and Washington Nationals fans, are they crushing the team for how they handle Harper? I'm just kind of setting up how the Yankees might operate over the next 18 months. You know what I mean? It just, it just worked out that they had the young team to win, you know, and, and the pitching staff, honestly, to win. I don't know that the Yankees have. If the Yankees lose Aaron Judge <laughs> with, with the division that's around them, I just don't know that that's going to be their storybook ending, you know? So where do you think Nats fans would be if Bryce Harper had walked for free and that team remained a contender but not an actual World, World Series champion? Mm. Do you think they still played it right? Do you think keeping Bryce Harper for as long as possible was the best move for the franchise? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And, and knowing, knowing that they had Soto right behind him <laughs> probably helped. Um, the, the direction that they're going now, and we don't have to go down the Nationals road right now, but, I mean, they're, they're, their pitching is atrocious. They have a lot of holes to fill there now 
but it, it was sort of, you know, once you win, though, you can tear it down. Right. I was just going to say it's sort of Miami Marlins-esque. Yeah. You win it, tear it down, re- rebuild, and, and reset your money. The Yankees are in a different situation. They are. Uh, because of the high market that they are, but they're, they're towing that line of, we don't really want to pay that luxury tax. We want, I mean, they've been saying it for the last few years. We don't want to have to pay that much. But mm-hmm. we all know they they were the team that spent no matter what. So the fact that Cashman is getting out front of this and saying, this is what we offered. This is how much it is. This is the years, everything under the sun. The Yankees have a price. They, they have a price. They're going to hold to it. Yeah. You either take it or you leave it. And they're, they're going to, if they hold firm on that, you know, I can't argue with it either. They paid the pitcher. I'm well, not sure I love the pitcher, but they paid the pitcher. They've paid a bullpen. You know what I mean? Like all the things that I think you're supposed to do right now in Major League Baseball, they're doing and not paying the 30 year old outfielder, you know, even though they acquired a 30 year old DH <laughs> in Stanton a couple of years back. But there's a part of me that thinks that they really are playing the game correctly, but it's not leading to victory. It's not leading to World Series appearances. So, is there but I think this was a this is oh, a play from the front office. Oh yeah, to all the other front offices, saying this is what we value him at. Oh, that's Do, are you going to value him at this as well to want to make a trade like an auction or, draft? <laughs> yes, exactly. Perfect, perfect sense. And it's very similar, not apples to apples, but it's similar to the Juan Soto conversation we had yeah. where. It was floated out that they this was what was offered before the lockout. We yeah. now know what the the benchmark is to offer uh, Juan Soto, at least from a minimum standpoint. This yeah. now could be the maximum, and if a team thinks they can give more, then okay. But this is what we offered, and this is what we we value him at, and we are the Yankees. So. Yeah, uh, it, it is going to be an interesting situation for sure. All right. What else? What's on the docket? What else you got for us here? Back to the NBA a little bit here. Yeah. So. I sludge through every day, injuries, updating sure. games, missed money, all these injuries. I found it super interesting all year. I was, I was In my mind, I knew that there were a handful of players that missed 82 games total due to injury. There were a total of eight that missed injuries all season due to injury. Kawhi obviously being up there, um, the Zion on there. uh, But I found 82, 82, five of which were due to knees, three Mm. of which were due to foot. So knees and feet were the big culprit here with with some of these teams. But uh, I, I found it interesting that, the top teams out of all the injuries this year, Clippers were obviously up top, $78 million worth, in quotes, of uh, lost time, cash due to injury. Golden State Warriors were number two at $55 million. And then rounding out after that, Indiana Pacers, Portland Trailblazers, Orlando Magic, and Denver Nuggets rounded off there. So when I took and looked at the top 10 of injuries, of, of teams that had the highest injuries based off cash. Three teams 
made the play in. Five teams missed the playoffs outright. And um, only two teams made the, the actual one through six seeds, Golden State and Denver. Were yeah. the only two teams in the top ten that actually made the playoffs outright. So one who one who was floundering in Golden State, and, and the other who was literally being held up by one man. I mean, correct, literally right. being put on his shoulders, and he's done it for about three years. So straight. injuries injuries seriously impacted uh, whether you were going to be a playoff contender or not this season. In uh, it, it's it's. Health protocols, I, I was putting those in as quote-unquote injuries as well because there were games myths, so that has affected as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we always say... You didn't count say, rest days, though, right? What's that? You didn't count rest days here, right? There's got to be some kind of... Right, I keep rest days. I, I track them, but I keep them as a separate yeah. entity when I, when I run that. Right, so does the NBA, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's transition to fines because now that we're through the regular season, I was interested in seeing how the uh, fines scoped out from a technical standpoint. So technical foul fines, $2.2 million worth of technical foul fines. This was the highest ever in mm. the last whatever years. So a lot of technical fouls this year. Uh, Trey Young top everyone as of right now. I'll wait and see the final rescinded list, but as of right now, Trey Young was at 15, so $48,000 fined. Doncic was very close to being uh, having to be suspended. He, real late here in, in March, he had two uh, technical fouls rescinded, which dropped him down. He ended up with uh, 14, I believe. So he was 16 close. is the number, right? Yeah. 16 is the number. Uh, so he was very close. He had a, not only those two, I think he had one or two others during the season that were rescinded as well. Um, but keep in mind, these technical fouls now get reset going into the playoffs, which is why I'm bringing this up. Uh, <laughs> so everyone starts at zero, but it's a faster pace. Instead of every five, it's a tier, it's every two. Uh, because Every two is what, a fine or a suspension? A, a, sorry, every two jumps a tier of the fined amount. So first two is 2,000, then next two goes up, the next two goes up, and the next two. How many texts in the playoffs before you have to miss a game? Oh, I got to double check on that. It's been okay. a while. Um, shouldn't be a problem, though? No, it shouldn't be a problem, but I need to double check that. Uh, but the reset happens there. Uh, there. There were a lot of fines due to offic- um, criticism of officials this year, not only from, fan, uh, from players, but there were from – for. Uh, uh, coaches. I sure. saw a bunch of those that I tracked this year. Uh, they're not on our fines tracker itself, but uh, there were a, a lot. And then, you know, you go into the Ben Simmons situation, Kyrie Irving situation. Those fines were, were massive. Uh, I mean, we're talking in, in total uh, $17 million worth of fines from the Philly side when you keep in uh, ben Simmons into that Kyrie Irving situation amassed, you know, 13, almost $14 million in total. Uh, so any, any inkling or, or thoughts, or have you heard anywhere that Brooklyn is just going to pay it? No, actually, I, I don't think they're going to pay it at all. Ben Simmons actually threw in a grievance with the league to get the $20 million back 
from Philadelphia. So the situation there is, and we talked about this similar or back in the fall. So he was given an advance in July and October with his salary. So he's actually had a less, less amount of paycheck salary throughout the season. He's actually still being paid or being fined and his part of his paycheck is being pulled from his Brooklyn salary to Philadelphia. So he has put in a grievance to get the $20 million back. Now, based on the actual fines that I've put in based off of games missed, it, it is about 16, almost $17 million. So that fluff in between of that 20 that has been reported is That's the practice, including yeah. the practice, the, the meetings missed, all of yeah. that. So yeah. he is trying to get that money back because he is paying out of his Brooklyn check back to Philadelphia right now. What about Kyrie, though? Do you think, do you think Brooklyn's just going to pay his whole salary and eat the fines themselves? I, I, I'm, I'm not even going to go down that road because I don't know. Uh, Keith may have quite a lot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Keith may have a better, a better sense of how that may play out. By the way, we should continue to talk about this, right? Because Toronto still has a ban. Right. Canada still has a ban on this. And now that we have the playoffs here, we're not totally aligned with who's going up there yet. Is it, do do we kind of know that that's a great point because Philadelphia is playing Toronto. Okay. That that is liable. It has already been said Thibel is ineligible for game three and four, which means he is not fully vaccinated. He cannot play in Toronto. And so it, it, it is very important moving forward. This is why towards the end of the season here, the verbiage that has been put out there has been what it has been. Ineligible means in code word, not vaccine eligible. So the right. fact that it's going to affect the, the 76ers here, you know, it could have been that, or it can be that Boston ends up playing Toronto. If Toronto gets out of that, we're most likely going to see some ineligibles out of that camp. Yeah, Boston has a couple, right? Yes. If you read the tea leaves, yes, possibly Tatum, possibly Brown, possibly an Al Horford. They, they specifically. Are you not going to start putting vaccinated and unvaccinated statuses on spot trick for us, Scott? (laughs) Definitely not. Uh, uh, how we would know that they're unvaccinated during regular season was I find put in a fine for them. Uh, yeah. Boston got away with it at the end of the season when they went to Toronto by listing them as personal or having an actual injury. So, oh, my knee hurts. They listed them as a knee instead of ineligible. Philadelphia has just actually labeled them as ineligible. So Peace. it'll be interesting going forward with that. Oh boy. Yeah. I got one be a part of it. Go ahead. Yeah. I got one more thing. Uh, unless you have something else, I got some masters talk. If you want to go down that road, do it. I didn't get to see much of Sunday, but I heard it was, uh, yeah, I, I, I caught, I, I went to the NAS game with my son. I walked in the door. It was six fifty five. I said, I got to throw the masters on. I literally caught Scheffler last putt. So mm. I, I caught that, but I was keeping track of it on my phone as far as the scores and seeing where things were done. It, it was pretty much done Saturday. on Friday. Yeah, basically. Yeah. What did, so, did Scheffler cash here? So Scheffler cashed $2.7 million for this weekend, which is up from 2.07. So the mm-hmm. purse was increased this year. He now surpasses, once I get the values in, I'm running the stuff right now. Uh, he will surpass $10 million total for this season, which oh. is the second highest in the last 10 
years. Jordan Spieth surpassed $12 million in 2014-15 season. If Scheffler continues this, he's going to destroy that $12 million. So he is just an on, on an absolute tear right now. It's wow. awesome to see. It's awesome to see. Right. Yeah, it was a good turn. I mean, obviously the Tiger stuff dominated, but it was uh, sounds. I mean, Rory's back in contention. That's good news for golf fans. There's a there's some decent story. I, I, Tiger's going to play the Open. There, there's some. It's setting up to be a halfway decent year. Let's put it that way. There are a lot of great personalities and a lot of young kids that are starting to come to fruition. Uh, you know, Zal Torres, Cam Smith. Or that Neiman kid that Tiger played Neiman, with that can play. Yes. And he's only, what, 23, I mm-hmm. believe. So there are a lot of young, great personalities. I've really been watching golf this year more than I have in the past. And it's been, it's been awesome to see from a, the personality standpoint, but from the, the technology standpoint. You know, sure. ESPN Plus has pulled in um, and has pretty much streamed at least Thursday, Friday, and then some morning stuff on Saturday, Sundays until the, the main feed usually kicks over to CBS or an NBC type thing. But the, the technology has been awesome with tracking the ball, mm-hmm. with um, showing above the cut, below the cut during Thursday, Fridays. They've really stepped up the game as far as that is concerned. So I, what do you think the health trackers on Tiger Woods' body looked like Saturday and Sunday? Oh, my gosh. He... Was he constantly being told in his ear, get the hell off the course, man? (laughs) No, absolutely not. They were saying, go as far as you can because our ratings and money are are off the charts. So, no, they were saying, go as far as you can. We're going to use you as much as we can to make sure that we're, we're getting every dime out of him. And next year we get the Phil comeback tour, right? Maybe. Right? I don't he gets know. in front of a microphone and says, I'm sorry. And it's all about him coming back next year. I'm already, I'm already putting it out there for you. There it is. I, I, I know you are, but I don't know about that situation. No, I know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a slippery slope for sure. Very, very slippery. All right. Baseball season's four days in. What team's going to win and what's going to be the one player we're going to be talking about the most? Oh. We didn't even do our picks. No, we didn't. It's been weird. <laughs> um. Player talk the most. I'm going to say Bryce Harper. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say him. I think I've I've heard a couple instances where people think he might be, you know, MVP top of the line there. That Philly team might be legit. So I'm going to say them. As far as the team we're going to be talking about the most, um, obviously the Dodgers are going to be in there. Yeah. um, Struggling here out of the gate. Who's going to win it though? I'm going with the Atlanta Braves. A repeat? I think they're going to repeat. I, I think they're deep. I really like that team. I think their their pitching staff is 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 right there. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm going with the Atlanta Braves. Who you got? I don't think I've ever done this before. I'm going. I'm going Homer, man. You think I'm so? Taking, I am taking my team to win the World Series. Okay. After, after four, after one series, after four days, I not only do I think the Mets are deep enough, they have trade pieces to go and get way deeper. They have, I mean, they've locked in their players. They've got an owner. They've got a Steve Ballmer type owner, right? Who who kind of resurrected the Clippers out of nowhere and turned them into not only one of the most fun teams in basketball, but now look at we're, we, 
we're still talking about that team kind of three generations into lob city Clippers, right? I mean, that's, it's sustained. So why can't this happen for the Mets? I, why can't it become one of the most fun teams in baseball because of the money, because of the owner? And yeah, they're in a division of hell. You just, you picked the Braves out of their division and an MVP out of their division. And right. I know, I know what we're standing up to, but I think that's just going to push them to be more active and more aggressive at the deadline and things like that. So I'm taking the Mets it's, to win. Yeah, it's similar to the NFL conversation we had with the AFC West. AFC, which we're going to have way more talks about. That whole AFC now is just going to be either the worst or the best, you know? And I think this season is going to be very important from a divisional standpoint, knowing going into 2023, the teams you play are going to be less in your division and more throughout that the baseball. Year, That's right. It changes next year. So how you perform in your division this year is going to look completely different than how you perform in your division next year, because you're not going to have to play all four teams, you know, majority of your percentage of time. So being the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves, and they're going to beat up on each other. Not only are they going to beat up on each other, but they're going to, I think they're going to come out better for it because they're, they're going to have some adversity. You know, you, the Mets are already having adversity with, DeGrom out, you know, bring him back, then that that's just going to help your pitching staff even more. So uh, I think divisional is going to be more important going into next season because of yeah. how things may jockey. Less divisional games, it'll be more important. There'll be more exclusive games when you're playing those teams versus we see them 20 times a year. Things, Yeah, that's an important part. But But the other thing with this year is because of, you know, it, it, it could go 12 rounds in a boxing match between these teams because there's the extra playoffs. Yeah. You could have more aggressive Mets, Phillies and Braves all yeah. make the playoffs and then they have to duke it out again in a, you know, in a series in the playoffs. So it, it, it could help either of those teams if they have to play each other again, because they may know tendencies may know, um, there's a world, Scott, where three NL East and three ALS teams make the playoff pretty easily, right? Mets, Braves, Phillies, Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays. I, I think everybody has those teams. Now, you're saying Tampa Bay in there? I, I'm, they're, they're fringe. They're okay. fringe for me. I think they may, have, they may be a little bit thin this year, but, um, but I mean, those six are already penciled in out of the 12. So... <laughs> So I, I do think it's going to be that whole that whole East Coast in terms of baseball could be a real, real big, big uh, push for all four months. But, you know, the West Coast baseball, you know, we're kind of leaving it on the table here. I do think that's where the best baseball will be played. I re- realize Tatis is hurt. The Dodgers are stumbling out of the gate here. I, I still think the Dodgers are going to be the best team in baseball. And I actually think Moogie Betts is going to be the MVP. I think it's time for him. He's settled in now. The contract's there. It, that's a, there's an unbelievable team around him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the MVP and the NL MVP in his boat and my player to watch. And it's not a hot take. He's the number one prospect in baseball. Now playing Bobby Witt jr. Is yes. he is not just, it's different than Vlad or Guerrero where you're just looking to see mammoth home runs. And he's such a big physical presence that he's just kind of a fun situation to watch. He's almost a Zion right with Vlad. There's a, there's a physicality to watching Vlad. Bobby Witt Jr. is a five-tool player. He's going to steal bases. He's going to hit base hits. He's going to knock in stupid runs. It's small ball and big ball. It's, 
he's my kind of guy. And I kind of pegged him out of the gate two years ago when everybody was figuring it out. I'm in. Give me the rookie card. Give me the rookie of the year. Give, give me everything with this guy. So I'm not going to watch the Royals for any other reason than him <laughs> all year long. But that's that's kind of my fracture about there kind of thing. Are the Royals an all-in team? Do you think no, now, not now yet. is a team? Not yet, but they will pay him. And that won't be a hot take either, but he will get some kind of Tatis contract before it's all said and done here. So he's, he's going to be must-see TV if you can get a Royals game locally on your market for sure. Well, and that's, that's good news for Patrick Mahomes because he has stake in that team. Sure does. <laughs> they may ask him to help pay for a, a while there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It might uh, be his kind of contract too, by the way. What's a team that's underperforming out of the gate that is kind of surprising? I can't do that yet. No? <laughs> four games. Not after four games? I, I, I'd say this. I, I'd, uh, I'd be running to cover if I was a Nets fan right now. Oh, my gosh. I think oh. it's going to be a long year in Washington. If, oh. if you took the under, yeah. I think you're, you're yeah. safe. I mean, I, I've watched all four games, uh, yeah. partials of some of them, but I was at the, like I said, I, I was at the game yesterday. Yeah. They go to their bullpen. It, it's atrocious once again. You know, everyone around us with Rainey trying to close that game out, we're all on pins and needles. Yeah, I think they're already fielding uh, trade offers for Nelson Cruz. Oh, probably. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, All right, man. Good stuff. Let's uh, we'll switch gears a little bit Wednesday with uh, cousin Dan back in the show. We'll bring Keith in probably next week, right? And break down some of these NBA playoffs and do a little bit more depth, right? Yeah, sounds good. All right, good All stuff, right. man. My Have thanks to the Athletic. Visit theathletic.com/slash/spotrack. Get yourself forty percent off that first year subscription for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Janetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spotrack Podcast. 